who's got next? We got next. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Blacktop Podcast. We're whole. You know, obviously we got my brother Reuben, we got my cousin Christian, and you know, we're here to talk about some hoops. We obviously got a lot of things to talk about, but first of all, you know, let's let's clear the floor. Let's let's completely leave this first bit open here for uh Ruben, man. Go talk about your boys. I'll keep I'll keep this open ended so that you guys can share your thoughts on the team. But shame on league. Shame on the refs on last night's red job. 23 to 2 fouls in the fourth quarter. You take away the intentional fouls. It was 15 to 2. How many shots in the fourth quarter? How many non calls were not made? And that RJ offensive foul in that AD flop? Are you kidding me? Scotty going to the rim against Max Christie? There were three instances where he could have gotten fouled in that. And the game was a one point difference. So you're going to tell me right now that that game wasn't rigged? Listen, I know, like, I was so pissed off watching that game last night because I think Toronto held their own. It was a really fun game back and forth. And I don't think this is anything against LA. I think LA did a really good job getting to the rim. They were forceful in their attack. They, A lot of the calls made towards them were right. But a lot of the calls called against or non-calls against the Raptors, I think... Uh, I don't know what that was, man. I mean, I've you've gone around the league. You've seen the viral rant from Darko Ryakovich calling out. I, the, dude, I think, do you guys think that's like top 10 rant, like coach rant of all time? Oh. Because I've seen up, people are adding there. that in the Pantheon. Yeah, people like, are adding that in there. Even, you know, when you think coach rant, what's like the first one that comes to your guys' mind? Oh, man. Uh, data for me in the NBA, I gotta go with uh, what's his name? Um, ah, he just coached the Grizzlies, David Fisdale. Take that for data, mm. and he was coaching the Grindhouse, but I'm sure there are other coaching ones that you can think of. I think it's definitely up there for sure. I, I think just based off all like the discourse it's generated, I, I mean, to even think that you have that much of a discrepancy and. When you look at the personnel of the Raptors, it's it's almost impossible when you think about it. RJ Barrett puts an incredible amount of pressure on the rim. Pascal Siakam's yep. the same. Scotty definitely got hacked a few times on that last drive. So, you know, it's uh, yeah. it's disappointing it's, to see yeah. that uh, we're still facing these kind of refereeing problems. And Thank it's not you. even like this is like one big glaring moment. There's been a whole bunch of like there's a whole catalog of things we could look at from this season, but overall, I, I think it just points to the fact that you know there there needs to be there has to, to be something that we does yeah yeah I, I don't know if it's punishment or I I don't know what they do I mean this is not the second time a Tor- like Toronto has had a massive rant against Ben Taylor specifically it can go to last year where Fred had that uh. What was that five minute rant just dropping f bombs about Ben Taylor? Yeah. Oh yeah, an all time rant, dude. I and then this year, this year it's Darko, and it's the same ref, man. And and you know, also this isn't the first time we've seen like several refs. Like, if you think about it, like go across the. I can't remember who I was listening to, but like you could name certain refs, and like they're not even supposed to be like 
there's then the backstory of the game like they're supposed to be the the social worker they're supposed to be like the interceptor of the mm-hmm. game like just keeping things afloat right you let the game flow but then there's the scott fosters and the freaking ben taylors of the world the eric like, lewis's oh my god bro that's that's hey, my fantasy team today this year <laughs> <laughs> it's eric yeah, lewis in just... a celtics jersey <laughs> Bro, like I've seen so many memes like people buying Lakers jerseys and it was like the refs jerseys and, and <laughs> like there have been so many breakdowns about like every foul call that wasn't called against Toronto. It was just I mean, he had a bar too where he was like, if they had to win tonight, then we shouldn't have shown up. That was a bar. Yeah. So Yeah. I, I think there's just no excuse to like have that much of discrepancy. Because, again, it's not like we're talking about the Golden State Warriors where everything, majority of the production is coming from three-point line. Uh, Toronto, from all intents and purposes, is a team that likes to get downhill when you look at the personnel. So, And they also have no shooting. Like, Toronto, <laughs> for the longest time, has had no shooting. Obviously, they're a much better team now in that sense. But, like, yeah, you know, the, everything they do is so... Uh, like in the paint oriented, and they mm-hmm. and they outscored them in the paint, and they had more paint touches and more attempts at the rim. So I mean, I think they just got to fix stuff. I don't know, Christian. What do you think? Because like, I feel like the, what do you think the punishments should be? Like, I feel like there has to be something. Like, if there's refs getting fined or suspended, I don't know. I don't. I don't even know. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know either. I I feel that like. Putting refs through a suspension, I, I feel that it would just be like sort of to like appease the media. But I, I don't really know if there's a true solution to it, which is unfortunate. I think there's like so much business that goes on behind the scene in basketball, and it's it's unfortunate. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, I feel like you know to appease sort of the public media and to like at least you know display a more fair, uh, I guess. Uh, I guess results it, it would make sense to I guess suspend the refs and I, I don't know like kind of have them like do you cut a ref's pay like they don't make <laughs> they don't make the money that the fucking NBA players do like like they get they just don't make a paycheck and all of a sudden like little Timmy's not eating I don't know I, little Timmy's not eating bro <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't really know what the solution is unfortunately like it would be so much different if you know if it were a player situation that was sort of like there you know like tom brady deflating the balls or some some shit like that but it's it's like the people that kind of just help the organization of the game go um yeah i don't i I wish i had an answer for that but i feel like i don't i i think the big thing we're probably gonna see is that uh ben taylor's probably not gonna get as many uh, playoff games potentially I, I think is something that we mm. can look at but you know overall it it's it sucks to say but it's just kind of another drop in the bucket and you know adam silver will more than likely probably just ride it out until you know the next time a ref makes a major mistake which is like i think something that's very broken with basketball at the moment because yeah, you know there there is definitely a big problem there where it's not necessarily that. Uh, I'm I mean not even not necessarily yeah. it's just the fl- the fact that the refs are all very, 
there's there's just a big amount of inconsistency which is yeah. human nature at the end of the day but yeah you what, what happened last night is uh you can't have stuff like that happening for sure yeah, you can't I mean, I'll I'll, clo- I'll do my last point on that. It's like it's just ruining the integrity of the game. Absolutely. You know, it's just like it's just ruining the flow of the game and like the game management last night from Ben Taylor. I just don't understand how you see the things. Like, I try to watch every game as like you know, it's obviously difficult, but as with an unbiased lens as possible. And there are many times where I'm like, yeah, the Raptors committed a lot of bad fouls last night. I think they, and it's a younger team, so they made a lot of bad decisions defensively. Um, but like the thing about IQ, that not that's a basketball play, mm-hmm. and that being a flagrant when Torian Prince opened the game undercutting Pascal in the open court, and then you don't call that a flagrant. Like those are the things that I'm talking about. I was like, it's it feels very blatant. So yeah, we're ruining the integrity of the game. And like, whenever you talk about NBA basketball with somebody who is more of a basketball junkie in general, oftentimes you're like, well, like the ref and the way the game's called and officiated is so different to every other league. So yeah, I think in terms of discrepancy, even between leagues, I think the NBA's got a big problem with refs, man. Yeah. They should just let Tony Brothers ref every game. That, yeah, that guy's yeah. the best ref. Him and Gucci and- Mane. Oh yeah, what's his what's his name again? Oh man, I don't even know his real name, but even like the the players call him Gucci Mane. <laughs> or just let the uh the um Luka Doncic's uh the crush play uh ref the games. What's her name? What's her, what's that girl's name? Oh no, but I the one he rinsed up on that in that court that one. Yeah, and, and then he give you get a tech man. Kelly Oubre is rolling in it in his uh apartment in Philadelphia for that damn all right so moving on from there we got a few things to talk about uh the big thing being let's start here trouble at the point now there Mm. are two teams specifically we're going to talk about here the indiana pacers let's start with them you know i i saw the the tyrese halliburton injury did not look too pretty you know the the dude just yeah (laughs) the man was looking like a gymnast looking like simone biles (laughs) did the whole split and when we look at their schedule, in my opinion, you know, I uh, I think I read somewhere we're looking at about two weeks without Hallie. Uh, by somewhere, I mean the the Yahoo Fantasy app, which is mm-hmm. where I get a lot of my injury yeah. updates. And, you know, the schedule that they're looking at without Hallie is, in my opinion, I think not too bad. You know, right now they're playing the Wizards, which is a game they were winning last time I checked. But after that, you have in order. The Hawks, the Nuggets, the Jazz, the Kings, the Trailblazers, the Suns, the Nuggets, the Sixers, the Suns, and the Grizzlies. You know, out of that, how many is that? Out of those 11 or so games, there's only really maybe three-ish that you're looking at as like, oh, man. You know, these are going to be our big tests without Halliburton. That being, obviously, uh, the two Nuggets games and the Sixers games. But, you know, when you we look at the Pacers... Obviously, it all runs through Halliburton for sure, but I, I think this is going to, one, r- you really look at a guy like TJ McConnell as well as Andrew Nemhart, our Canadian brother, and, you know, it's it's going to be hard now, I think, for uh, Rick Carlisle and maybe even the front office to think about parting ways with TJ McConnell. Mm. When you have, like, an insurance piece like him, it's, it's uh, I think, tough to think about cashing in on like because what would y'all say tj mcconnell's value is like 
the five seconds that everybody was throwing around last year for role players. Yeah, I mean, mm. I feel like a lot of teams would definitely benefit from having a TJ McConnell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think he, I think he has quite a bit of value as far as like, yeah, just contending role players. Like he's he's at a good right page. He's not necessarily like a like a a slouch when it comes to just like I guess being that player off the bench. Like he he's not necessarily going to shoot you out of game. He's I hate to say it, like I'm trying to find a way to tiptoe around it, but he's that white guy, you know? Like he's a trusty white guy on the bench. Um, So yeah, I I think he garners some seconds and even some, you know, player for player value. I mean, could you all see a future where, you know, he shows out in this role and then maybe we're even looking at a team being desperate enough, aka, I don't even know if the Suns can really throw any of their first, but... You know, could a team be that desperate? I mean, I was even thinking along the same lines for a guy like Andrew Nembhard overall. Like, it's not, it's not, uh, I mean, it's not a secret or anything that it seems like this team is out there hunting for another player. It seems like Mm -hmm. Pascal's the the player that keeps in the rumor mill with Indiana. And so I think this is an opportunity for either TJ McConnell and or Andrew Nembhard. Like, you play them both significant time. And then you're talking about upping their trade value and or like giving them an opportunity to shine. And then you see what happens after that. I don't know. I feel like TJ McConnell is a guy for this team, like on any team, like he's the Matthew Delvadova for the Cavs that we've, saw for, Ooh, that we've seen for that's a long a perfect, time, right? Yeah, I think that's a perfect comp. And it's like that, or you talk about like, you know, go a couple years back, the Luke Ridenhours of the world, or, you know, like. <laughs> that's a Seattle like these guys. That. The Steve yeah. Novaks of the world. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh we're gonna start the JJ Reddicks of the world. Oh, okay, no, don't disrespect JJ Reddick like that. Hey, Yo, JJ's on another level. Come on, man. JJ, these are we're talking about white guys in the NBA. JJ was hey, a white Novak boy. Was, Steve, Steve Nack was Steve Nack was Steve Novak was a man, bro. Steve Novak was the man, and he got himself a fat contract in Toronto until he learned how to not to shoot anymore <laughs> that's what he lost so but you know what like that's what i'm saying is like he's that guy that you could plug in any team and find success mm. so i mean do you think they would start him or do you think well i think start they started i think they started Nemhard today yeah because i i feel like tj's sort of become ingrained into that bench and that role uh just in terms of being a table setter for that second unit and you know just being like the gritty guy he's you know, he's going to dive for the loose balls. He's going to take a couple of charges every game. Yeah. So I, I think Carlisle's trying to keep that rhythm of him being able to come off the bench and, you know, be be that high IQ guy in that second unit. Do you guys think that the Pacers drop, though, in the standings? I mean, two weeks is a while, too, for talking yeah. about two weeks. He's probably not going to get back within two weeks. Yeah, two, two weeks seems like a very optimistic point. Yeah, do you that, think Chen, DJ, do you think they drop? Where are they? Where are they right now? They're they're six, but they're tied with Miami for fifth, <laughs> and they're half a game yeah, back of like, New York for fourth. Yeah, isn't like fourth all the way to the the bottom of the plan? All like a couple games within each other. Yeah. So here, I'll I'll read it out. So fourth is twenty two and fifteen, which is the Knicks. They're a half game up of the Heat, Pacers, and Cavs, who all have the same record, all the way to the Magic. 
And then the Bulls and the Nets and the Raptors and the Hawks are the four teams fighting for play in spots. So they're they're a bit of a gap away from number eight. Mm. But yeah, you're looking at four to eight is like separated by one game. I think it'd be tough for them not to draw, but I don't think because we think about last year, there was another big stretch where they were without Halley. And, and they struggled. That was like the big reason they dropped out of like even the play in run. Mm-hmm. But I think you're also looking at this team uh, where, you know, Aaron Neesmith was much of an afterthought compared to where he is now, where you know, I don't I don't know in what world, but he's a he's a starting power forward now. Uh you got yeah. Ovi Toffin as well as who's also having a bit of a resurgence. I, I think you're just looking at, you know, a more more tested team than last year. So do they mm-hmm. drop a bit? For sure. But I don't know if it's, I don't think it'll be to the same, uh, uh, the same levels as it was last year, especially with, again, you're playing like the Hawks in your next game, who, you know, by all intents and purposes, have sort of fallen out of uh, being relevant towards the playoff picture this year. You know, the yeah, the Jazz, who are obviously on the midst of blowing things up, the Trailblazers, who are rebuilding, uh, you have a Phoenix Sun t- team that has really lost all forms of their identity ever since, you know, the season started. And now we look at to where they are now and it's, it's looking, it's not looking good, I guess is what I'll say. So I, I think this is, you'd never want to lose Hallie, but the stretch of the games that they're looking at now is sort of, That's you know, yeah, definitely. Chin, what do you think they drop? I think they do drop a couple spots. Um, I kind of agree that this team isn't, you know, I, I don't know if tenored is the more is the best word, but they definitely do have some experience with playing without them. And I think they have a lot of players who I think have even come into their own in the last year. I mean, Bruce Brown just joined the roster this year. That's correct, right? Oh yeah, I forgot about yeah. Yeah, Bruce. yeah I mean, I mean, given that he did join the roster this year, but someone like him who's coming off of like a championship run. Uh, Miles Turner, just, I think, continuing to evolve into his role, probably will see an uptick in minutes, even with, you know, not to say like the positions are really affected, but I think he's just going to see an uptick in usage. Um, I think these players are kind of, yeah, like tested is a good word. I think they're going to be not ready per se. They're definitely going to lose games, but I don't think they're going to have such a heavy drop for, uh, I guess in comparison to last year. Yeah. Oh man. Y'all get, guess what TJ McConnell's at at the moment. It's uh 81 to 89 for the Pacers. Guess what McConnell's stat line is at this moment. He's got like 10, six and five. Ooh, what's your guess, Chin? His, uh, sorry, his averages. No, no. What's he at like right now? Like stat wise. Oh, for the day. Yeah. Uh, it should be like yeah, 23, seven and nine or uh, something. Okay. Bro. What, 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 sorry. What quarter is it in? What quarter uh, is it fourth in? quarter just started. Oh, he, he's got 18. Doesn't he? Nah, Ruben, his first guess was close. He's, he's 10, two and seven. So okay. That, okay. that's perfect from your backup point. That's, Mc, that's a McConnell line right there. Man. Absolutely. Oh, two steals. That's even more of a McConnell line. Some, get some stuff. Okay, nice. Oh yeah. So, you know, the Pacers, I feel. There's definitely going to be a bit of a drop, but 
I, I think they're they're steady enough. You have a veteran coach like Rick Carlisle to, uh, you know, I, it's a bend don't break type of situation. I don't think they're gonna drop into like the depths of the play in, but yeah, I, I I think it's hard for them to keep that top six at the moment. Yeah. All right, shifting gears here, the Memphis Grizzlies. Christian. Christian was an honorary Grizzlies fan considering he had jaw on his injured reserves for fantasy. I saw that he had to drop him today for Karis LeVert. (laughs) How the money have fallen. (laughs) No, but, uh, you know, it's, it sucks to see, uh, cause by every measure jaw was, he was back. He wasn't like coming back and had to like, get a rhythm he had a game winner on his first game back and uh he never really had like too stinky of a game i don't think out of all the ones he was back he was always you know was it you know all nba bona fide like bus driver jaw there were there were definitely shades of that but you know to to think it was this much of uh this severe of a surgery he's gonna have to get you know, I would assume there was a little bit of a, a nagging thing that he might have got. But, yeah, yeah. what are your guys' reactions to uh, Jaws being out for the season? Take it home, bro. <laughs> I, I think it is really sad for the league. I think, like, especially when he came back, and I, I think the talks about it with the anticipation of him coming back, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of recognition for Jaw in the sense that he has a really great shot at being the next phase of the league. And I think it has a lot, a lot to do, maybe not with his charisma, but just like kind of how he plays and sort of like that small guy, small athletic guy mentality. Like, I, th- I think you, you saw that, you know, when Derek Rose was like at his prime, although with Russell Westbrook, maybe he was a bit jarring for some, but I think he just like, was a put the team on his back type of guy um, as a small point guard. Um, so I, I think it's unfortunate that like you kind of miss another season of that. And it also, you know, brings question to how he's going to come back the next time around, um, given that, you know, he is out for the season confirmed. I think that is like, like I, I haven't personally heard of this type of shoulder injury, but you know, if it's severe enough for him to miss time, then, you know, a lot of these injuries come with uh, sort of differences in a game for a player when they come back, which, you know, I don't hope for, but it's just like a realistic uh, sentiment about these sort of things. So I do hope the best that he just comes back and continues to be like that player. And, you know, I it's been shitty for my fantasy team, but I, I think it is bad. It's unfortunate for the league. I think, uh, there isn't really a player like him in the league right now, to be honest. Yeah, I definitely feel for for Memphis fans because, like, I swear, every single season has been like he missed like thirty games from Jaw. Yeah, and like we already opened up missing like a quarter of the year without Jaw Morant, and now he's gonna miss the rest of the season. I don't know. I know that his play style is also like you mentioned is so special, but part of me thinks it's like, damn, like it could be attributing to the reason why he gets injured so often. Yeah, because you know we've seen guys like you know said Russell Westbrook, Derrick Rose, man, it's kind of sad. Like these are such explosive players, but then the longevity and the shelf life of their careers gets 
cut in half because of the way they play. And so it's tough, man. It's tough because like you want to see a guy like Jaw be successful. And it's almost like the Grizzlies are cursed, man, because Marcus Smart went down with an injury. What was that yesterday too? Oh, oh, I didn't yeah. see that. He he went he went out for the the fourth quarter with a little finger thing. Yeah. I mean it's just like the massive amount of injuries. I mean it's we were forgetting about Brandon Clark and Steven Adams. Yeah. Like half their starting they basically the whole starting lineup is out except for you know Jaron Jackson and Bain. It's just it's just difficult, man. And obviously this team wasn't very good without Jaw. But in the past, you could talk about how good they were with without Jaw. Like they they had winning records without him. And a lot of times people were talking about the Grizzlies being better without him, which we all know is not not true because they had Tyus Jones. Don't have that guy in your lineup anymore. It's tough, man. I guess it looks like. I mean, what is what's their draft uh, situation like too? I mean, are they going to uh, go into this draft with a? Because they're going to get a lottery pick, no? Yeah, right now they're they're slated to have the sixth pick. So wow. when you you look about guys that are around that, uh, around that pick range, you know you got guys like Ron Holland who's coming out of the G League at night. Yeah. Uh, Madas Buzelis, who was supposed to like be the number one overall pick, but now, you know Alex Stars from like, French. Yeah. Yeah, another Frenchy, okay. another French seven footer. And then you even got. Yeah. Like, uh, if you want to go with a little bit of an upperclassman, Donovan Klingon at a uh, Gonzaga. So I, it, it does suck since like your team's right in the midst of their prime. You look at, uh, Desmond Bain, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, I want to ask you all a question after this, but you know, I, I just think you're looking at this team and the windows now, yeah. and, you know, any more missed time is just more time against you. So you know, I'm, I have high hopes for them next year, for sure. I, I think they're going to come back. Hopefully everybody's healthy and, you know, get back to being the the second seed in the West type of vibes that they had. But I've got a hot suggestion for them. Let's hear it. If they're in a, if they're a lottery pick, I say they trade it. You don't think they're mm-hmm. young enough though, to where they could still get like, like a guy that could, you know, contribute to them. I think, I mean, they were top three in the last the last two years, no? Mm. I mean, if you look at, obviously, it's not the same as with Tyus Jones, but we saw how good they were with Jaw. I mean, that record, what, were they five and three, six and three or something like that? Like, they were obviously a winning team with him. I mean, I think you talk about Jaron Jackson, Bain, and Jaw, Steven Adams coming back next year, Brandon Clark coming back next year. I mean, you clearly have a plethora of other young players still on the squad. I think you really think about moving the sixth pick to a team where you give up veterans and shooting and other shot creation or splash out on another star that's potentially wanting to go. I mean, for sure, they're young enough where they can continue to add to that core. But part of me feels like, to, to what you just said, like the time is now. I think I see it best, especially it's not like other teams aren't going to get better internally, like at Oklahoma City Thunder mm. or like, you know, um, a Wolves team, you know, I think the Kings are in some similar position as well. So I think they trade it. I think they should. In my opinion, I think they should. I think that's something they have to worth consider. I mean, we can see what's on the market by then because, you know, there's, I mean, it's a whole bunch of uncertainty surrounded. I could see the reason too, but I, I think it's just got to be the right piece for sure. 
However, yeah. and I don't think you'll ever trade a lottery pick unless it's the right piece. Absolutely. Degree. Yeah. I got a question to post to y'all. You know, Marcus Smart, he's he's what, 30 years old. Uh he is a guy I think can play for until he's like in his like late thirties. But right now I think yeah. he's a guy that needs to continue to strike while the iron's hot. If you're Memphis, do you do you consider trading him? You know, I understand you just acquired him, but when you look at the fact that your season's lost, uh the type of value a guy like Marcus Smart could add to a contending team, you know, do you well, you're you're probably for sure getting in feelers, no doubt. But would you ever actually like pull the trigger on a trade? Yes, I would. Yeah, I, I think so. I think you kind of just look towards development at this point, just with you know the season right off. I think they even move him, you know, once his contract becomes available to move, which assumingly is a valid thing by probably next month. I think it's the 15th of this month. No, or 15th of this it, month, yeah. Yeah, I believe it's 15th of this month. Yeah, I think, like, you trade you trade him, you look at trading him because, again, you know, you're probably looking at draft compensation or young players back. You focus on internal development, and then you can use that. You know, you go into summer, you got some players you can work with, and or you can piece those guys together with the lottery pick that's incoming for a trade. Or, I mean, you have to look two or three steps ahead. And I think Memphis, I know that this season is pretty much washed, but they're set up for long-term success either way. If they stick out, you know, trading Marcus Smart or keeping him into next season as a piece of their culture, I don't think there's a lose-lose situation unless they trade Marcus Smart and you get Evan Fournier back. So, let's be real with it. I mean, that's not bad. Evan Fournier is actually an expiring deal, but... I digress. Like, also you know, that's not the kind of value that he is. That shit would happen in the NBA, though. That yeah, would. bro. It would. It absolutely would. And you think of all of that, I don't think about it. That's kind of a, a sneaky trade. Because that, that money probably matches. And then the Knicks what? still have a lot of those picks in this upcoming draft. Oh, shit. Because I'm not going to lie, y'all. I was going to say, I, I think Malcolm Brogdon could be somebody on, like, the Knicks is uh, radar too, but you can get a guy like, oh man. And I think what they're missing more is some real shot creation off the bench. Yeah, and that's that's been a long-standing. You issue. think that's Evan Fournier? So, <laughs> hell no, brother. It's not Cam Reddish, that's for sure. I'm... Who plays actual minutes, my brother? Brother, Lakers fans are calling for Darvin Ham's head because they are playing Cam Reddish. Yeah, but all I'm saying is, who gets actual minutes? Brother Evan Fournier would be playing if he was with Darvin Ham. Oh no, he would not. No, he would not. <laughs> oh my god, this ongoing bit is hilarious. Can't uh, this, I, I believe in that man. Oh, and Lakers fans don't. <laughs> Yo, it was the Lakers fans' fault for putting their trust into a guy like Torian Prince. If if they got another solid guy. And then Cam Reddish was the only weak link. <laughs> it gave me a little better. Yeah, is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you got know, two man. guys like that, oh, man. Oh, they believe in their long defensive wings. Yeah, that's great. That's why they are 10th in the West. <laughs> okay, well, I, I, I want to double check something <laughs> real quick. Ooh, okay. Oh, okay. 
I got a question for you boys. What do you guys think Jared Vanderbilt is shooting from the three this season, percentage-wise? Oh, either really bad or freaking surprisingly good. Throw throw the number out. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll okay, go. You go, Chen. I got. Yeah, I actually don't know how this guy plays. I'm gonna say twenty-seven percent. I think he's shooting seventeen point eight percent from the show. I mean, all due respect, you're both selling him incredibly high. This, <laughs> this guy. <laughs> it sucks because I love Jared Vanderbilt, but yeah, I, this yeah, man yeah. is shooting a whopping. Actually, I'll give you his full full splits first. Thirty-seven percent from the field. Ooh. Oh, jeez. Wasn't he supposed to be known as a finisher too? Yeah, but you know it's kind of hard when you got AD in the lane as well. Sixty-seven percent from the line. Hey, honestly, they they might have to call Rodney Hollis Jefferson (laughs) and a whopping seven percent from the three. Sniper gang. How many has he? How many attempts has he? How many attempts here? Let's see. Um, Jesus. Jesus, how bad are you? 15. So obviously it's not crazy volume, but... Yeah, but then one... Oh, wait, so are you telling me he shot like two for 15 from three this year? Or one like for 15. Was oh my god. Brother, Kevin Hart can shoot better. Oh. Ah, man. That's rough. Shout out Cat Williams. <laughs> oh, I still need to watch that. Yeah, oh my god. The way you cooked it, man. Every, so got everybody got everybody got pieced up in that interview from the clip. <laughs> Bro. Uh, it's a good watch. Okay. But cats, um cats the goat. All he right. is, man. Speaking of the Lakers, how do y'all what would y'all do if you're uh Rob Polinka? That's a question. What would, what would I do with the Lakers? Yeah. I've been saying it, man. You move LeBron. Bro, <laughs> there's no way. Okay, but okay, Chen, what would you do if you're if you're moving LeBron? Do you look for players, or are you like straight up like rebuilding this thing? You can't look for players because any team LeBron goes to, he's gonna want to play with some guys. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I think like in a perfect I, NBA 2K my league type shit, the 2K I would move LeBron for him. Do that. But <laughs> yeah, there is, I'd, I'd move him for as much assets as possible. I think a team would rather trade Victor Wembanyama for Evan Fournier than to be the only team to ever trade, like arguably the greatest player to ever <laughs> lease him up. Do you think they would get so much backlash? Like, how? how they would. Oh my God, damn! Like, yeah, like, they would. But they've never really been successful. Like, I would almost say, like, this is. I mean, LeBron's older, okay, mm-hmm. and, and I don't want to say it's like entirely on him, but like because of the way that you have to play around him, and as he's older. And it doesn't seem like he's given up more of his less like more of his usage. It's like, how do you win with the guy? You don't. If you don't, 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He, like, he's had one championship and one Western Conference visit since what, 2019? I mean, like, that's more than a lot of teams can say. Okay, let's. I'll I'll be honest about that. But it's like almost every single year you are freaking crashing this team to the ground, trading every single piece. Like your core is literally LeBron and AD every single season, and everybody else is brand new. There's no consistency. Like, what do you do about this team, man? Like, do you think that like if they were to make a trade this trade deadline, is there a trade out there? Like last year, we weren't expecting what. Rob Polinka did, but like, do you think there's a trade out there like this, like last season now that they could compete, considering how deep the West is? Man, I'm not gonna lie, I like the idea of Dejounte Murray going to to L.A. Oh, jeez. You know, I, I I think there's there isn't there's no like crazy level of player that they can acquire with the pieces that they have you know there's that's rob polinka is gonna have to work some magic again <laughs> but yeah I, I don't know oh man lebron should just request a trade to go to golden state play with steph that would i'd be, love to see that funny? that'd be the perfect that would be the perfect fit that would if you put steph if we put steph and lebron together that's better than Kobe and Shaq. Oh, I don't know about that, bro. You don't think so? I think that's an argu- arguable take, though. I, w- I would say. I'm not saying I agree or disagree, but I'd say that's it a good take. A, yeah, it's a, it's a good take. But damn, Shaq and Kobe were so dominant. And like... I mean, it's a different game now, so I would give I would give that to you for sure. Like and LeBron, who, who are the guys that have run the NBA ever since Shaq and Kobe were were separated? I'm not Don't I'm not know? arguing that. Like you put LeBron and Steph together, like the fit is perfect. But damn. Shaq you know, if and Kobe, I'm, man. If I'm the Warriors front office, if I'm Mike Dunleavy Jr., I'm drafting Bronny. All right, yo, clip this. Playing against Kobe and Shaq was like an episode of Blacked, bro. <laughs> what? Oh, Yo, I was getting pieced together. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not risking that one. I, I thought I heard. No, I, I, I just didn't hear that right. I, 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 I think you heard it right. Toby and Shaq was destroying dudes, man. Come on. Oh, <laughs> That is crazy, yo. Yo, that is that's I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what I, I just heard I just heard blacked as a term. I don't know what it is. That's okay, buddy. According to sources, I do not, sources. Do not uh, who are your sources? These are just these are just allegations. I do not know what blacked is. I've never heard of it. Before. Your allegations are <laughs> your sources are Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, that's Twitter X. Shout out Elon Musk. Elon Musk man. Twitter's Twitter's falling off. All right, yeah, brother. That, that thing, like, <laughs> yo, what I was about to say next was gonna be hilarious. Say it, bro. You, <laughs> bro. You scroll down, you see an episode of Blacked on there, bro. I'd <laughs> <laughs> be like, bro, why? I just uh, watched basketball in here. What am I, I seeing? Know, man. Elon, it's it just looks like the stuff. Elon looks like a guy that watches stuff like that. Yeah. Brother. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, let's get back towards basketball. <laughs> this is basketball, bro. True. True. 
right. dribbling. <laughs> Different kind of balls. Okay. Draymond Green. You know, we we heard we heard that uh he was on the midst of retiring. Adam Silver, man, this is getting too much. I can't punch motherfuckers. This is getting too much. But you know, how do y'all, how do y'all project the Warriors looking like when Draymond does come back? Do you think it's more of the same? Do you think you get a little better? Does you know? Do they fully implode? What would y'all put your money on? What do you think, Chen? I'm just looking at the standings where they're even at right now. They're 12th in the West. I mean, they maybe get a bit better, but I think this team, honestly, like, had a really hot start, and, like, it's kind of just showing that their age is a huge problem. Uh, I think, you know, someone like Chris Paul was, like, shown to be making an impact. Now he's, I believe he's still injured, right? Um, for a while. Yeah, like, you're guy who was your facilitator and best offender has been you know, having emotional like issues on and off the floor like you know at this ripe age and uh you know clay thompson no disrespect is just you know a shell of himself i, I was i would not really put any flack on Seth Curry. i know he's had some bad games but personally i think he's the only player that's not outside of his prime or at least outside of his i guess like how good he actually can be um so yeah i don't know i don't see this team really getting that much better um i know we were going to talk about trades but i think this is one team that is probably in contention for some big moves if any are to be made 100 percent. yeah yeah i don't know i feel like i think they'll get better a little bit like not really much to add to chin i think they'll get a little bit better defensively i think you'll get a little bit of playmaking um, and then you can move Steph a little bit more off the ball again, which, you know, they've had so much success doing that. But, like, the question I want to pose to you guys because of this, it's like, do you think this, like, like let's say you have your starting lineup and your three, as we've consistently known as to be Steph, Clay, and Draymond, are those three guys in your starting lineup, you know, as a core, like, can you sit here today and build a team around that three and actually believe that they can win a championship? Because let's say you put all the perfect pieces around them. Let's say you put Miles Turner at center. And let's say you put, like, who's a OG Ananobi, really solid fit, or, like, a secondary scorer. You put a Paul George there. Like, is that team good enough to win a chip, considering Clay's the shell of himself? Dre hasn't been effective, you know, unless there is a secondary scorer, like a PG or... You know, when, when, you know, Wiggins was playing out of his mind or you had another three-point threat like an auto porter. <clears throat> For me, I look at that, I'm like, I don't think they can, but I don't know, what do you guys think? Because part of me feels like with the Warriors, I feel like a trade has to come within that core. You think they move one of the three? Ooh. I mean, I said this to the podcast about benching Clay. Yeah. But I, 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 I like the idea of benching further. Clay. Because I, I think when you think about it, he can't really defend anymore, especially at the level he was at pre-injury. Yeah. And 
I also think that if you put him to the bench, it just takes the the pressure off of having to be like Clay Thompson. I, I guess essentially is what I'm getting at. The the pressure to get back to the level of a guy who was, you know, at times looked like the greatest shooter in the world, even on a team with Stephen Curry. And I think if you were to put him onto the bench, it would help him find like almost like Melo. You know, Carmelo was a world beater. Carmelo at, at some points in time is looking like the greatest scorer to ever touch a ball. You know, how easy he made everything look, like how much he bullied and impacted his will on guys. I think you got a similar feeling with Clay in terms of being able to use his movement to get open, to, to really shoot the ball, and when you needed to, to get a stop. And now, you know, when we take a look back, you're not the same guy. You you don't really have all the same tools as before. They're getting a little dull. But if you lessen the workload, take a bit of a step back, and then, you know, you can get something close to you can have spurts of where you were. So like honestly, if I'm if I'm Clay, I would talk to Mello and really try to get into that psyche of going from one of the guys to to more so being a support kind of role. Yeah, I agree. I think it can definitely help just like allow the young players to finally get into a position of like I think confidence with the team. I think mm-hmm. these rumors, I I'm sure you guys have heard the rumors with um Jonathan Kaminga, like leaks yeah. of him just being displeased with uh the trust or lack of trust there more so uh, with the coaching staff and like the young guys. So I I personally think you don't let those guys walk just because of the amount of time you've already developed into them and the potential they've shown. I just think they're at a really weird place where they're not playing to their full potential because Mm -hmm. of, I guess, the schematics of having Clay Thompson start, of having Draymond Green start. Um, Because I personally think Draymond at this point in time should, and and given, you know, the season he has, but I think... It's just more so because he hasn't had real time play. He he should really be more of a player that's playing about twenty five minutes a night and kind of transitioning off and on the bench. Um, but yeah, I, I think you do need to like have some sacrifices made uh, and be realistic about your future. Otherwise, you kind of sell out the team, you know. Because I, I think unless they are intentional with like still winning, I I think a lot of these players end up moving. Um, more by the force of will than by the warrior's choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's like for me with Trayvon coming back, you, you look at it from a long-term perspective and even like short-term, I don't think they get that much better. I don't think you're super talking about them. Draymond's back. They're top six team. I don't know. I, I, I don't think, yeah, none of us here would say that right now. So, but does a trade get them there? Does like getting a Pascal or does getting a Dejounte Murray or whatever? Yeah, I, does that yeah, make I like the idea of Dejounte on that team. But would you say that makes them a top top sixteen immediately? Like not in it's terms tough. of the record, but do you think in terms of the caliber compared to? Let's look at the top six right now: the Wolves, the Thunder, the Nuggets, the Clippers, the Kings, and the Pels. Does that put them in the conversation of the caliber <clears throat> teams like that? I think if it's. Because the the trade I saw was Chris Paul, 
to Chris Paul and uh, Moses Moody, and that's how you land. Uh, that's how you land Dejounte. I think if you do that, you have a better I, chance. I think that's that's more of a chance than if you were to give up like a Kaminga, because I I think the the key to unlocking this Warriors offense is you know having a guy that isn't thirty eight years old or thirty five plus years old being some of your primary initiators because yeah you know Dejounte. I think you pair DeJounte alongside a guy like Stephen Curry and he's like, he can get back towards being like the Spurs, you know, all-star that we were seeing because, you know, Steph doesn't need the ball at all times. He's able to, you know, catch and shoot like nobody, nobody's business. And if you pour, pair him with a guy like DeJounte, who's able to, you know, get to the mid range, drive at times, give you the occasional three points uh, and you pair that alongside a guy like Jonathan Kuminga, who has athleticism out of this world, like yeah. who's a 0.1% athlete amongst NBA athletes. You know, I, I, I think there just needs to be, there needs to be a really big major shakeup. I think you go from that, from the starting five of what you already have, as well as to, to trading. Cause you know, you, you gotta do something for sure. Mm-hmm. One thing I want to talk to y'all about is uh, there was uh, the Miami Heat, the realest organization in the NBA, man. They they looked out for my our Filipino brother. They waited for him to to be to settle his financial burden with uh, his uh, former wife. And now that dude is looking at eight years, $120 million. So I think, you know, I just want to, I guess, sort of, you know, give Eric Spolstra his flowers and that Miami Heat team as a, as a whole. Cause I think what we're looking at is probably, you know, there was a point in time where I think everybody was saying, oh man the best like the best run organization is the golden state warriors you know they win chips they did it with the guys they drafted <clears throat> but i think what we saw there was also the erosion of culture but the miami heat man as corny as heat culture can look on a jersey that shit is real <laughs> yeah i think he might be top 5 one of the greatest coaches in the nba history I agree. Let's talk about it. who who would y'all say is so Phil <laughs> Pop. Yep. Definitely well um, are we going by order? I mean I would say Phil Pop. I definitely wanna throw Sloan? I wanna throw yeah, Jerry Sloan. Mm-hmm. You gotta think about Kerr. You gotta Steve think Kerr. About... Steve Kerr is in my opinion, I don't think Steve Kerr is even a top ten top coach. Respectfully. <laughs> This this guy walked into Damn. a fifty win team. I mean that's fair, but I think also like he's also put in a really tough situation where how he wants to coach is not the roster construction that he's been given, and so maybe okay, I guess that's that's worth an argument. I mean like some of these best coaches have been ones that have been able to adapt to their situations, 
But if you took a talk about a guy like Phil, it's not been a guy that was adjusted away from the triangle in any of his situations mm-hmm. and sort of walked into great situations too. So, I mean, that argument also plays part for a guy like Phil Jackson, but I want to, okay. Hmm. Spoke. Okay. So Phil pop, what do you think, Jen? I personally think there's an argument for Kerr. I mean, I understand DJ sentiment for sure. I think it's just that like his situation is somewhat similar to Phil's in a sense where he did walk into a really great situation, but he, he made it perfect. You know, he was kind of like oh, the, that's a good what, what, yeah. what kind of created the perfect storm. Cause I think they were really piecing it together when it was Mark Jackson before, right. Before when he was coaching and, yeah. you know, as soon as uh, Steve Kerr walked in, he, he brought them that championship. Um, and I think it came a lot to just kind of understanding like the dynamic he was coming into as much like how Phil Jackson came into the team and Michael Jordan was, you know, continuously losing in the playoffs i think i think he from a perspective didn't like come up from nothing as a coach so i think that's why it the argument for him being outside the top five is reasonable but i think as far as like cementing a legacy for an organization i think he's he's definitely been a pivotal part of that and i think when you just think of the dynasties of the last 20 years like the warriors dynasty has to be considered one of the best, if not the best. Mm. So that's why you put him top five, personally. Just kind of the impact he's had on that organization. Well, let's name some of the few. So, like, we would have Kerr in there. I mean, I think Pat Riley's certain in that conversation, too. Oh, yeah. I think Red Arbaugh, <clears throat> in terms of, like, nine championships, like, as a coach, like, that's just in some insane stuff. <clears throat> um, I mean, we talked about Sloan. We had Sloan in there. I mean, who do you take out? Like, <clears throat> but if you look at the longevity of Spo, and like even the eye test and like what he's done on the court, like some of his very like unique schemes, the way he's had so many different teams, but he's able to get the most out of them. I mean, is there anyone better? I think I would word it to where Spo's been the most effective coach in terms of. Yeah, personnel management, uh, being able to outsmart coaches, because I mean, he's he's the reason Mike Budenholzer lost his job. I, I mean, <laughs> he's I think just fully, he's like the Filipino American dream. When you think about a lot of the coaches, they're they're guys that have been assistants on multiple franchises, and then they get their shot. But, you know, we all know the story of Eric Spolstra. Started out as a video guy, slowly worked his way up. And now, you know, like I'm looking at like most wins by an NBA coach, that that kind of list. In my opinion, I think, you know, I think I would have to go Pop, Phil, Red, Pat. And then I I think there's a conversation for Spo to be five. I agree. <clears throat> yeah. How many how many finals run? So I mean championships alone, he's got what two? And he's did he was he was he the video coordinator in two thousand six? Uh, Spo. Here, I'll, yeah, I'll Google it. 
I mean, if he was a video coordinator in 2006, like there's definitely an argument to be made because he's technically part of the coaching staff that year as an assistant. But then, like you talk about when he took over the job, like how many losing seasons has he had overall? Like he hasn't had very many. He's made two finals trips. I mean, he's the first one to make a finals from the play-in. And I don't know how soon we'll see that again. Ah, man, it's going to be a while. They won uh, 05, 06, right? Yeah. Uh, it says here was an assistant coach. Oh, there you go. Well, I don't know if that's like... Oh, no, he, no, you're right, because he was a coordinator with the Heat since the 90s. Yeah, he's been there for I'm a not while. Mistaken. Yeah, so he's been part of that culture for a really long time. Obviously, he kind of usurped the role from an all-timer in... Um, uh, Pat Riley, but... Mm. <laughs> Yeah, there's certainly an argument for him. I mean, if you want to compare the championship runs and things like that from beginning to end, outside of Curse, three, was that four championships as a coach? Yeah. Four championships as a coach? Every other season, he's barely made the finals. Not even made the finals. Every other season, he's never made the finals, no? Oh, from the um, end of the Heatles? Uh, sorry, for Kerr, if we're comparing. Oh, Kerr. Because, like, Spose made the finals twice. Three times. Didn't win it. But then, obviously, two championships. And then several winning seasons. Uh, it's been four, and he hasn't won. So he's been to, what was that, like, six finals? I think it is There's tough, certainly though, an argument. Cuz yeah, like here I'll, I'll I'll come down from the the Steve Kerr the Filipino cloud. The the Filipino cloud and the Steve Kerr soapbox. You know. Oh man. I don't even know really what I want to say cuz like Yeah, I suppose just that guy. We yeah. Spo, I think when it comes to being a tactician, I don't think anybody can really like measure up outside of maybe pop. Mm. And then Kerr, for sure. I, I think as much as we could say, you know, you could get the, you could get like one of the video guys or the janitor to coach that team and they still would have won. You know, there was still the job to do. So, you know, I, do, I guess you do, do give Kerr a bit of, you know, a bit of uh, grace there. But, I just feel like Kerr is really, you know, he's really just dropped the ball the past few years. When we look at the the lack of proper player development, the lack of holding guys accountable, the lack of, you know, the fact that they're this low of a seed and you have a generational player like Stephen Curry, you know, it's, it's hard. But Eric Spolstra, he, he's like... He's like the meme of that African dude. Tough time, never left. Only tough people last. Only tough people last. Bro, that was hilarious. All right, let's transition into the last section of the pod here. Let's all just, we can just throw out some names and you, and you just say the team you want them to be on. Heading into this trade deadline. All right. Malcolm Brogdon. 
Mm-hmm. Warriors. Ooh, that is a Warriors, situation. Eh? Yeah. I think he's for me my favorite fit out of all the available guards. Uh just because I don't <laughs> think his his price would be as expensive as a DeShante. True. There. That's my only that's my only argument. But if I were to pick it'd be DeShante, but I'm sure we get there. Yeah, I kinda I kinda have to agree with the Warriors. Like it would be a really good pickup for them, just considering I personally think they don't have much of a depth when it comes to the guard play. I don't know if there is really another team that needs that sort of player right now. I'm really trying to think. Like, I, I think we don't talk about them a lot on the pod, to be honest. Um, and I think their current guard situation is decent, but it could be better. And considering their position, I think Philadelphia could be a good team for them to line, considering they have mm, assets to move. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Great. Yeah, I think I think they could use a player like him. All right, I'll throw in a third team here as well. Like I mentioned earlier, I think you put him on the Knicks. That could be. Ooh. That yeah, could that be could, like yeah. a really, really good backcourt of him and JB because you know, yeah. Ogden's what like six five, so it's not like you're yeah. pairing him with a, a small, a small, small guard. Alrighty, not necessarily a trade candidate, but definitely somebody we can look out for on the buyout market. Gordon Hayward. Mm. Like this is if he's bought out and he's just picked yeah, up. Yeah, because I, I don't I definitely don't think anybody's <laughs> trading for he's making what 30 M's? Yeah. Well, I mean, we talked about this a little bit last week. If they don't make a big splash and stay home, Oklahoma City. Like him in OKC. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I like him because yeah. he does all the things we talk about, like you know, he can shoot the ball and rebound, and there's some size there at the three position. Mm-hmm. Come off the bat. Yeah. I don't know how you feel about it, DJ, but I personally think the Bucks could benefit from one more. Oh, but man. that's... I would like that, but yeah. uh, the homer in me is still holding out for PJ. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. I, 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 I just... I just think it'd help fill out the depth that of sure the help. Bucks. Uh, yeah. The team I had in mind, Christian just mentioned them. I think the Sixers. Mm. Like they don't, they don't need like another James Harden type of guy. They need need a Gordon Hayward. You know, <laughs> they they yeah. they they need more peripheral uh, uh, movement. All right, another player on the same team, Terry Rozier. Hmm. You know, a guy that's averaging 25 at the moment, if I'm not mistaken. Holy shit. No, he's he's, he's balling, man. He's a difficult one to think for. Because if you look across the league, everybody has, like, their key guards. And unless he's willing to take a backseat role. I mean. You know, there's one team I'm looking at right now. Uh, I personally think, like, I don't know what they could give up to get him. So this is just me saying they could use a guy like this. But I think the Timberwolves could definitely use someone off the bench, like a better point guard. You know, no sh- no shade to Jordan McLaughlin. I didn't know he was the second in command. But And I'm not saying they really need to mess up what they have. They're doing something right over there. But I think they could definitely just have a spark plug off the bench. Yeah, who's their backup currently? Like, is it? Isn't it Shake Milton? 
Shake Milton's also in the Smith rotation. Too, yeah, but J Max, J Mac gets, what's it called? Chris Finch loves J Mac. I feel. So what? Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, man, it would be perfect to have them, but like down that price range. That's, yeah, that's a lot of money to match. Yeah. yeah, money to match and just talent overall. Because I think Rochier's trade value is probably high as a mother right now. Mm. You know, for me, I think him in Miami could be. That could be something Ooh. that that helps push him up even more. Because I mean, you look at like their second unit. Who's even on their second unit? <laughs> you know, good question. <laughs> oh, I guess Duncan. Like? Duncan's on their second unit. Wow, great, Duncan Robinson, man. He's just a white guy. He's not. He he lost his white boy status. <laughs> oh, Josh Richardson. I mean, Jaime Hawkins is off their bench, but I mean, he's been starting mostly right since yeah, Jimmy's injury. Because Jimmy. Yeah, I mean, they, they would definitely need a guy like Roger. I mean, you could even start him at your guard spot. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're... I mean, they've been pre- playing pretty well with Kyle Lowry, so shout out Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry. All right, y'all got any more names to throw out? I mean, we touched on it. Let's say we, we've, we've mentioned a few, but keep away from the ones we've mentioned with DeJounte. Like, what is your perfect fit if you were to look at this right now? Like, where does he fit perfectly in your eyes? Ooh, man. I watched an inner, like a quick clip of an interview of him the other day. And it was in San Antonio. Mm, damn. If he were to go back home. Bring him back. He's like, him and Wemby, I think, could be, that could be nasty work. That'd be such a good pairing, honestly. Right? I'm really sad they I'm really sad they lost him to begin with, man. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't I like did did we discuss it at the time? Like wasn't a big fan of that. I mean That was a terrible trade, honestly. I was high on it because I thought they could make it work, but yeah, by by all intents and purposes that that shit is ass. Yeah, I mean, I'm more, so, I'm more so talking about the value. I, I think like it was, you know, I, I, I respected him as a player, but I thought they like got him for nothing. Yeah, that was pretty close to nothing. And in in terms of like the fit too, like two very heavy ball usage guys, man. I remember very we all, I was, maybe not all of us, but I for sure thought Trey was getting, he was about to complete his like Steph arc. I thought he was going to become like an off-ball demon, oh, and that's like that was always the that was always the construct of him being like, "Hey, man, Trey Young is the usurper of Steph Curry," but the brother doesn't for some reason not like to run off screens, even though he's like the best three-point threat on the court ninety percent of the time. I don't know, brother. I don't know what you do with him. Mm-hmm. Trey Young is difficult to build around, especially a young guard that can, a small guard can't play defense. So, huh. well, who who y'all got for Dejounte? I was thinking Miami for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be a good I, fit. I like that. That only because like then he gets the ball in his hands. He can create for the other guys. Jimmy seems to be a guy that likes to take a step back. Um. But then if he's and and I think he's in top five in pull up threes this season. 
So it's not like his percentages from the perimeter. I mean, that was sort of a knock on his game coming in. But like, I mean, if he if he has that element, then you you pair that really well with a guy like Bam, and Jimmy. I think that that fit is really nice. That would I think that would make them immediately a top six team in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what is he? Uh, if any of you guys know off the top, what is he like? What is his pay range right now? Because I'm looking at one team and. Again, like I don't really look at contracts here, so I don't know if he fits this team. Um, you have to match 18 million this year, but yeah, after that, it's 25, 27, 29, and then 31. That's not a bad price uh, for DeJounte, though, right? If you're thinking about no. it, no, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how the money matches with this team, but I, I think the talks of Laurie marketing going to OKC would be great, but I'm looking at how they want to get rid of Josh Giddy anyways, and I think he fits into this into this depth chart pretty nice. I think moving Shea or him to play the two is still serviceable, and I personally think like that could be another approach just in terms of timeline. But oh, that's interesting. But you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think they got money for stick with what he got right now. Huh? I mean, you got to move Giddy. Giddy's the man now, yo. <laughs> True, <laughs> but you're just you're you're trading Josh Giddy for another dude that <laughs> that's gonna want to dribble the ball. I I just think he does a bit more than Josh Giddy, though. I mean, yeah, it comes I, I without think... the the allegations too. <laughs> it comes without the allegations, and I mean, it also comes with just like someone who can do yeah just do a little bit more on the ball in general josh kitty this is the reason i dropped him like the second week of fantasy before he even had the allegations send that brother to the wrong place man damn <laughs> no the okc is an interesting one he needs to go to utah josh kitty they they damn. tolerate that stuff <laughs> Bro, you see they're coming out with that feature on Carl Malone and and John Stockton and I saw yeah and I saw someone's tweet was like yes a feature on a racist and a pedophile yeah. and I was like yeah. and then, and I, I literally was like Utah these are your stars I saw like oh it was so bad it was like a clip of uh from God of War with like Kratos <laughs> and Thor and one of them was the C was the P. Oh my oh, god! Fuck, man! <laughs> oh god, Utah, you all gotta have, you gotta, y'all got a tough man. Yeah, damn. Their their name uh, don't even make sense because they came from New Orleans. That's true. I'm, I'm I got two more names for you guys. Let's hear it. Okay, first one, Dorian Finney Smith. Oh, I know, I know what I want to say, but I want to hear what Chin's got. Or you Finney Smith? Nah, I don't even know. That's that boy. I kind of want. I kind of want to see one of the Celtics. I'm just. I'm just looking at teams right now. I, I think they could definitely benefit from just his defensive presence. Homer. Not that they need a lot, but Homer, fucking Homer. <laughs> Yo, I'm just being honest. I, that's why I want to see him. <laughs> Uh, for for me, I, 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 I said it last pod. I think him and Orlando would really, oh, you know, help set them up for not only the now, for for the the grittiness and you know the poise that Dorian Finney Smith plays with, but you know, 
iron sharpens iron. We all know that saying. Him and Paulo's already looking like a superstar. I think you let him brush shoulders a bit with a guy like Dorian Finney-Smith, who's like obviously not the same build, but they sort of play a similar position of being, you know, a tweener kind of. You have the size to play the four and the three, but you kind of match up with multiple positions. I, I think that could be something really beneficial. So, yeah, I, I think Dorian, I just want to see see play meaningful basketball. Either that or get him back on uh, okay. Dallas, you know. I can see those two fits for sure. Celtics, Celtics would be a nice one, actually. If they, if the Celtics got Dorian Finney-Smith, it, I think it's already more locks than it already is. Yeah. Yeah. Look, look, he would just be a good upgrade over Sam Hauser, is what I'm saying. All right. Sam Hauser's been shooting the lights out. He's, he's, he's a white boy. Lord. Yeah, I'm not saying he wouldn't get minutes. I'm just saying there would there would be some some melanin on that on that second lineup. Damn. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Black on the Celtics. And you think that's what Boston wants? Hell no. Boston nah, they racist crowds, right? They oh, be true. That's that's why their their stars light skin. <laughs> <laughs> Only just, one of yo, them. I feel like we're, I swear to God, this is the Cat Williams podcast today. We're just calling every racist <laughs> I, and pedophile. Man, I, I think Cat Williams has made it okay to just just, just pop your shit off. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Let's start with this, yo. The, the refs. <laughs> <laughs> all right, last name. Demar Derozan. Fuck, man. That's the toughest one, I think. Because I know people aren't saying about him getting traded. They've been better without Zach Levine. It seems like DeMar is the one to stick around. But, like, I can see him being a dark dark horse-like player being moved during the deadline. And also, his contract is quite, like, it's quite, it's a bargain for what he signed. It's only, like, what, 20, 25? Right? Yeah. He signed four years, 100? Because this is the last year of the... Of the of the of the contract he signed initially with Chicago, right? Yeah. Mm. So I mean, oh, do you man. think he like I? For me, an interesting team that I just seeing him on there would be like so fun is the Nuggets. Damn. Like, because like think about like the ball handling. You could you could play him as a hub when Jokic is off the bench. I mean, you could put, you could play them together because the team has so much shooting, and like him in the high low post with Jokic is, I think that's like, you you go to some classic basketball too with Demar and Jokic in the yeah. high low. Ah, oh, that's kind of a nice and he's idea. and he's so, right and he's so good at playmaking, and I think him at the top of the key, and then you're looking at Michael Porter Jr. You got Aaron Gordon, you got Jamal, you got a KCP. But then, how would you how I would mean, you match it? Yeah, yeah. How do you how do you match the money then? Because you probably got to give up one of those guys. Hey, we never said nothing about Will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I I think Demar on uh the Celtics would be the, <laughs> the tip. <laughs> Demar on the Toronto Raptors, you know. Uh, yeah, that's but, tough. In terms like, of the money, yeah, you would have probably have to trade a guy like Michael Porter Jr. You'd probably have to, you know, look into like sending a guy like Peyton Watson out some of your draft compensation, like just to make that money work. But man, Peyton Watson's that boy. Yes. I mean man. Nuggets obviously make the 
the argument that they could just stay put and they'll be a championship contender, but yeah, they get PJ yeah. Tucker. It's over. That would be a nice shoot. How about if the Raptors get PJ Tucker? Damn. <laughs> why the why the fuck would he leave LA to go to a team that's not even gonna make the playoffs? Brother, they could make the playoffs, man. Damn. What are they? Hey, who knows? Look at look look at the Raptors since trade. It's gonna it's gonna be tough when you get screwed over by the refs like they did yesterday. <laughs> man, that is not a new thing to Raptors fans. We've been getting screwed over by refs since the Absolutely. inauguration of the Toronto Raptors. Xenophobia, man, is out here, bro. All these Americans <laughs> think they're better than us. Cat Williams today, man. I'm popping off on my Cat Williams. All you say Americans. You say. DeMar DeRozan, though. That's... He's an interesting one. Yeah. I think the 76ers got the money to match, personally. Oh, yeah. And I think they have every right to go for a player like that with just the win now situation they're really trying to achieve. I could absolutely see that. Did he play under Nurse? Nurse was the assistant uh, coach. Uh, mm-hmm. All those um, years with Demar and Lowry. Oh, okay. I think I think he was an assistant since fifteen or sixteen. I think. Oh, it was Nick Nurse's rookie coaching season the year they won. Yeah. Wow, Jeez. Impressive. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Damn. And then the next year they were number one in the East before like the bubble. So for me, I think Demar on either Ooh, Miami or Cleveland is kind of where I'm torn between. Because I think with Cleveland, they have enough spacing around it. I think their big thing is just when the game slows down, there aren't a lot of the guys there that can, you know get a bucket make something out of nothing yeah donovan mitchell i think is a guy who can but when it comes to just creating at the top of the key there's i don't i don't think that's what i would personally want from donovan mitchell i think he's more of like a you know a downhill pull-up kind of guy he can you know he can for sure do the iso at the top but oh man there's so many ways DeMar can go about it, yeah. man. There's low post, high post. Like, he can get you off pin downs. Oh, man. If DeMar played in the 80s and 90s, he'd be Michael Jordan. Oh, God. No, man. No, I, you know what? I like the Sixers and the Cavs fits. Because, like, those the are Sixers, two, I think like, he can plug The in. Sixers is definitely intriguing. It's just about the money, too, if you look at it. But those are, those are good mean, fits, I Does think. that mean DeMar goes back to being a two? See, in the Sixers situation, the I think so. Could he guard the opposing two? It depends on any given night. I oh, mean, yeah, he's he in can. the All Star uh, selections as a two. I mean, that's true. Wait, is he really? Because I mean, he's gotten in as or a, as a guard. I oh, think. No, I think yeah, he's, he's gotten in he's, as a guard. He's in as a guard at the moment. Damn, but then he literally plays the three or four at times for Chicago. Yeah. Oh man. Hmm. His career is a weird <clears throat> one because he could definitely play two, three, and four. Playing one in San Antonio. That's true. He was playing one in San Antonio. That's why he's got all those playmaking chops now. That's why he's like literally the perfect offensive player. Yeah. Aside from the three. And I don't even, I think it's just he doesn't take him. He can make him for sure. He can make him. Yeah. He's a, still a threat out there. Oh, man. Yeah, I like those fits. Him and Philly, I, I actually really like that. Because you could run the high-low post action with him and Joel, too. Yeah. 
damn, can you imagine him coming off a pin down or like off the pop screen with, with Joel? And then he has the option to dump it or fade it with oh, Joel man. or take it downhill. Like that two man action would be scary. Or like yeah. you, do, you do the guard screen with Tyrese Maxey. Or like Tobias even, like that three four screen. And like having Tobias fade out. Oh my god. Man. That would ooh, that would be a fun that would be a fun oh, mix. Demar to Philly, make it happen, bro. Holy, that would be a lot of fun. He would probably just have to throw together like. I feel like Marcus Morris and Rocco would get it done because they both make like decent teens kind of money. Yeah, and I believe both of them are expiring, and then you add some draft compensation to that. Yeah. Because Chicago's probably want to just get off the books and rebuild at that point. Yeah. Foster Kobe White's growth. Yes. I like that. Chin, oh, chin, chin had it. Yeah, chin cooked up with that one for sure. All right. Any last things y'all want to say before we get out of here? I got nothing. <laughs> Be solid. We're solid for sure. I think next yeah. next episode we definitely got to maybe start looking at our all star ballots. But aside from that, stay safe, stay blessed. We'll see y'all soon. Black shots, black shots. Uh, oh. Black shots. <laughs>